Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the word of God bless you today. So, what is the meaning of all of this? I mean, all of this that we're doing here today in church, what's the meaning of, of all of this. You know, these prayers that we say, some of them are new, but some are very old. And these songs that we sing, some are newer, but most are very old. And these texts that we read, the scriptures, they are very, very old. And this building, and this wine, and bread, and these seats, I mean, where else do you sit in pews? What is the meaning of church? And what is the meaning of this church? We aren't a, a civic club, but we are happy to partner with civic organizations and share our space. We are not a nonprofit, though we will happily claim that 501c3 status and to collaborate with others. We are not a federally qualified health center, an FQHC like Hamilton Health, but we do provide 22,000 free health appointments every year. We are not a music production, though having Robert at the keys today, you may be uh, confused because you will get amazing music today. No one's ever confused Christ Lutheran for a country club. Well, maybe they at some time did, but not, not, not recently. So what in the world are we doing here? What's the meaning of all of this? Well, do you, has anyone ever heard that, that old saying that says, uh, this is the church, do you know it? This is the steeple, open it up and see all the, the people, yeah. Or what about that song that says, uh, I am the church, you are the church. Anybody know that? I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. There's some great verses that follow that. That is the meaning of all of this. That is what we are doing here. We are being church, being the people who follow Jesus all around the world. The church is a people. That's what church actually means, the literal word church. In the New Testament, it's the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia is a gathering of people, but the word literally means a calling out, a called out people. 
So not only is the church a people who are called together, but we are called together to go out, out into our communities, out into the world. We are a people called out into God's creation for God's mission. We are a people called into community to take a journey together for a purpose. That is the meaning of all of this. And that is what we're going to be exploring for the next few weeks in our new sermon series called the Expeditionary Church. We talked about this in Sunday School Expedition, not maybe a, a word you're, you're so familiar with, uh, though in, uh, in the Navy, the Marine Corps, we use that word a good bit, an expeditionary force. I'm called into expeditionary chaplaincy because an expedition is a journey for a purpose. An expedition is a journey that we take for a purpose, and we are a people called to take a journey for a purpose. That's actually how the the very first church was known. They were called people of the way. They weren't called Christians right at first. They were called people of the way because they were known to be on a road, on a journey for a purpose, following Jesus on the way. So Christ Church, we are a people of the way. We are an expeditionary church. And this week, our sermon series begins with this guy named Saul. Saul was a Pharisee in Israel. He was a religious leader. And he was on his own expedition of sorts. And from Acts 9, listen again for the word of the Lord for us today. It says, meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard a voice, but they did not see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand. They brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight. He neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he's praying. He's seen a vision that a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, "Um, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints 
in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias, he went, he entered the house, he laid his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. And then he got up. He was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately, he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is. He is the Son of God. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The name Saul is Hebrew for asked of God. And Saul, I think, was fairly confident that he had been asked of God to round up any and all who belong to the way, to Jesus' followers. And he was good at his job. He was very good at his job. He said... I was a zealot, even. We meet him first in the Bible. He's just a young man. He's, he's, he's holding people's coats as some other people are stoning a guy named Stephen to death. They're stoning Stephen to death because Stephen is a Christian and Saul is holding their coats. It says that Saul approved of this execution and that there abounded on that day a great persecution against the church that sent Christians scattering. The Bible says that Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women. Later, Saul himself says, I would often torture them. My rage bordered on hysterical. You ever seen or heard of people who just, they just kind of lose it? just kind of snap. They lose themselves in some kind of obsession or some hatred. They become obsessed. We just heard how Saul breathed threats and murder against the followers of the way. He breathed threats and murder. This is his life force, his joie de vivre, the hunting of Christians wherever they fled, rooting them out. This was his reason for being. He had found his calling. He was good at it. He breathed violence and hatred the way that we breathe air. He lived for this, for putting an end to this, to what we're doing here today. Until one day on the road to Damascus. Jesus was once asked by a crowd, 
well, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. Nobody could save Saul from his hatred except God. Who could have imagined that Saul could be saved? Not even Saul, reflecting back on his life, could imagine. Believing such a thing was possible for someone whose greatest purpose was the persecution of the church to one day simply change and become a believer who followed? Well, (laughs) on his own, such a thing would be impossible. I mean, just think of how hard it is to convince somebody of something they don't want to believe. Just think of how hard it is to just even convince somebody on Facebook that they're wrong. It's impossible. Not only would no one be able to talk Saul into believing in Jesus as the Son of God, he would lock them up for even trying. For humans, it is unlikely that we are ever really able to change somebody's heart or change their mind all by ourselves. But we don't have to be the miracle workers, for it is Jesus himself who calls Saul and changes his heart and his life. We, the church, are called out into the unexpected places where Jesus is on ahead of us, and we are to do the work of the followers, the disciples, receiving those whom he is healing and forgiving and calling and helping them find their place along the way, helping them find their place in the church. We are not called to sit idly by and and work simply on our own issues, nor are we called to convert the whole world, but we are called to receive the people that God is on ahead of us, doing that miraculous work. Help them learn as Ananias does, about the one who changed their lives to help them find their way by building true relationships, by building kinship with them. I mean, does anybody here ever worry about someone who has lost the way? Well, Jesus promises to seek them out and to carry them home. And if he could do it for Saul, then he could do it for all. I mean, does anybody ever worry that maybe you aren't good enough to be on the way? But let me assure you that if he can do it for Saul, then he can do it for all. And does anybody here maybe think about somebody who, you know, you, you, you think about them and you're like, who are you kidding Who are you kidding? What are you doing here? You aren't fooling anybody. You should just move on along. Well, the thing is, if he can do it for Saul, then he can do it for all. Jesus said, so get ready to receive my kingdom. It is at hand. And then what happens? We have to get ready to receive his kingdom, his family that he is calling, that he is sending us out to receive. But this is no easy mission to which we are called, the mission of grace and forgiveness and reconciliation, the, the mission of making room and space not only in our church but in our hearts for those whom God is calling. Just look at what 
Jesus asked of Ananias. How is Ananias, a Christian, to truly know that Saul, a hunter of Christians, had actually been changed? That is almost like God calling Chicken Little to go to Fox's house and warn him that the sky is falling. Ananias was not looking to become another Chicken Little. To go and speak the name of Jesus as he does is to be willing to hand himself over to the chief persecutor of his own people. Ananias would have known people hurt by Saul. Maybe he would have helped people escape in the dead of night to escape when Saul is coming into town. All he has to go on is the voice of the Lord in a vision. That and his faith and his trust in God. So Ananias trusted God. He followed God. He goes out on the mission that Jesus called him to, to receive a new disciple where he was. He enters the house. He places his hands on the blind man. He takes a deep breath. He says, Brother Saul, it was the Lord Jesus. See, this is the way. This is the way of the church to expect the unexpected of God, to trust that God can and does help people change and then call them into places and into people like us. We are to receive them not as visitors but as family. See, Ananias doesn't come and say, excuse me, Mr. Saul, or maybe he doesn't say any of the other names. He probably muttered all, all the way to his house about having to go and meet this guy. What does he call him? Brother. Brothers and sisters. Even before that he can be sure that his life is not about to end, Ananias calls Saul family. That is the way. This is the mark of the church. That it is a people who do not only wait to see who is going to show up on Sunday, but are called out of our pews, out of our comfort zones, out of our individual spiritual practices, and into a community of family and friends. It is the reason we have been given faith in Jesus at all, to follow him where he leads us, and he is leading us into relationships. Some of which start right here with the people who are called out of their own lives and situations to gather together and to pray for you and to ask for your prayers for them. These are not strangers. These are siblings. And the miracle is that God has chosen this. That what we are doing here as his tool for saving the world, if you can believe it, and I can, because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen right here. I've seen people who belong here come to find their belonging here, being acknowledged and, 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 and received, and, and then, uh, and then uh, they find their healing here because of just what we are doing here at this place. To be acknowledged, to come in here, and to be acknowledged by just a couple people can change a life, it can heal people, it can, it can change their lives. 
I've seen people stick around long enough to talk to somebody here that they don't know well and a light bright enough to help shine the path to another day show up for that person. You, you might not get to see it. You thought you were just being polite. But there is a light that shines in that interaction that points away for that person to go on one more day. I've seen it happen. I've seen scales fall from eyes here when somebody realizes that they are in the body of Christ. And I have seen a man named Saul who was blinded by the light, touched by a simple brother on the way, have his whole life changed. He even had to change his name. It was so dramatic. He couldn't be Saul anymore. He became Paul. Became the most powerful evangelist in all of Christianity. Paul himself said, reflecting on his own miraculous story, I locked up many of God's holy people. I voted for their executions until the moment that he learned from God that it was God himself that he was torturing. Because not only are we a people, as believers we come, become the very body of Christ himself to be called out is to be called into the very presence of none other than Jesus. That is the meaning of all of this. That is what we are doing here. That is the Expeditionary Church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.